The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. The headline from General Motors in the last couple of hours, Tom, raising their profit target for the year by at least a billion dollars, beating a race. Yeah, I remember, John, when you whispered to me somewhere in May of 2020, John, General Motors, Tom, General Motors, you've got to do it. 20 to 60, and then a challenge last year, to say the least, and now ebbing and flowing here, 35 to 40. It has been a challenge for General Motors, including all manufacturers, through the pandemic, and now they look to profitability. Joining us, their chief financial officer, driving the financial ratios at the complexities of the future of General Motors. Paul Jacobson joins us uh, this morning. Paul, define profitability. Where in the income statement are you zeroed in on, on profitability out 24 months, out five years for General Motors. Well, good morning, Tom, and thanks again for having us. It's always a, always a pleasure to be with you, especially on a, on a day like today where we're announcing the tremendous results that the, the GM team uh, put forward. And I just want to extend a great big thanks to, to them worldwide for the results that they, uh, they posted during the quarter. You know, when we're, looking at, when we're looking at profitability, you know, it's a whole range of outcomes. Obviously, EBIT matters. But one of the things I think we've been really focused on, and I think it's worked for us, is, is the combination of market market share and margin and and growth. So at the end of the day, it's not just about producing and selling more vehicles. It's about making sure that we're maintaining and expanding our margins going forward. And when you look at the track record that we've had, especially over the last six months, but really over kind of the last six quarters, uh, the team's done an amazing job producing uh, vehicles that customers demand. Right. And, uh, you know, our biggest challenge is we can't get them fast enough, but uh, customers have really responded and we really appreciate that. Okay, uh, that's right where I want to go. And that there's a shortage of, you know, there's always in every company four or five vehicles. Everybody wants the same car. Do you have a lot of pricing flexibility now and into 2024? Can you raise prices? Well, I'm, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to raise prices across the board, but one of the things that we've seen that has really manifested itself is uh, customers demanding higher trim levels. Uh, in fact, we created over the last 18 months the Denali Ultimate, which was a higher-end trim level than our high-end Denali on the GMC Yukons uh, in response to customers wanting them. And now what we see when we look at our trucks and our SUVs, about 70 to 75% of them are being priced at premium levels uh, where customers are demanding that. So so I think we've done a good job of responding to where customer uh, uh, demand is and uh, what they're looking for in our products. As far as the core prices, obviously the business is really competitive. We focused on price stability, uh, yeah. and I think uh, I think our results show that we've done a good job of that. John, a pickup truck. This used to be, you know, you you, you wanted an old GM pickup truck that you could drive around with your guitar next to you, and you know the you're whole. Describing yourself you're as a You're down kid. at Auburn University, and you get an old GM pickup truck that you pay dead pay. <laughs> $3,000 and you could see the road through the floor. Mm. GMC, Sierra, Denali Ultimate. Ready? $91,900. That's what money. Paul's selling today. So, Paul, are you telling us that you're expecting higher average selling prices in the second half? 
Yeah, so John, we, we, saw, um, we saw higher uh, ATPs in the second quarter, about $1,600 higher than the first quarter sequentially. Um, you know, I think uh, we're going to continue to watch it. We've taken this whole year with a little bit of caution, um, just understanding the macro that's out there. And, uh, and what we said at the beginning of the year was if the customer held in and we were able to maintain pricing, we uh, expected to significantly outperform the guidance that we posted. Uh, and then after the first quarter, we raised guidance by $500 million on the EBIT line. And now we're raising it by a billion dollars. So we see a lot of stability in the market. Um, we're just kind of taking it one day, one month at a time and, uh, and watching the results come in. We've got to be focused on quality and we've got to be focused on getting production in the vehicles that customers want. Let's just talk about customers a little bit more. We saw some data recently, I think from the Federal Reserve in the last couple of weeks about people being rejected for auto loans. Paul, can you give us an idea of how some of these purchases are being financed and the kind of trends you're seeing develop? So, you know, we, we've got a lot of good insight on that through our GM Financial uh, Captive uh, company, and uh, their results are, are pretty strong. We continue to um, uh, write new loans. In fact, we've uh, written at a higher share um, the first half of the year than, than traditionally, uh, which is not a bad thing. Uh, we're there to meet our customers uh, where they need us, and uh, GM Financial has done a great job of that. We watch the credit uh, metrics on a weekly basis uh, across their entire portfolio, and we haven't seen anything that gives us uh, reason for concern. Um, you know, we have really good, high-quality borrowers uh, on our new vehicles, and uh, the credit is performing quite well um, from that. So we understand, obviously, in the subprime world and some of the used cars where we've seen <coughs> banks tightening a right. little bit, um, that's not necessarily our forte, but certainly where we're uh, lending on new vehicles, uh, the results are pretty strong. Uh, Paul, I'm going to pick on Ite Macaulay at Citigroup. And that, you know, from the pandemic, from the end of 2019, I got a shareholder return of 3%, 4% per year. Whatever the number is, it's low single digit. Clearly, it's not acceptable. The fact is, somebody as knowledgeable as Ite McCauley or the team over at Bloomberg Intelligence looks for huge share price performance from GM. What is going to be the catalyst for people to realize the new profitability of GM? What's the thing that's going to get me to Ite? Macaulay's price target, which is a double. Yeah, so that's that's the question of the day, Tom, and, and one that we spend a lot of time thinking about, obviously, for our shareholders. You know, one of the things that we've got to do is we've just got to continue to consistently perform. I'm a big believer that the market can't ignore fundamentals too long. Uh, and when you look at the type of performance that we've been driving, uh, I think we're establishing a really good track record of credibility. So that's job one. Number two, on the macro side, clearly it's been a bit of a headwind uh, over the last 18 months as, you know, expectations are consistently downward from where we are, which is why it's so important now that we've put two quarters out there with, with a raise on the guidance. Um, this year will be really, really strong. We're overcoming uh, pension headwinds. We're overcoming some normalization at GM Financial's earnings. But, you know, the, the results are going to be very similar, if not uh, if not potentially better than uh, better than last year. So that's what we're focused on. On, on the market, I think it'll come around. Um, you know, we've got to make sure that the macro clears up a little bit. I I think we've seen that over the last couple of months. And, you know, I think we've got to make sure that we reach an agreement with the UAW, um, not just for us, but as an industry, because obviously there's some uncertainty around that in investors' eyes. Uh, but we're focused on executing. We're focused on getting a deal that works for our people uh, and rewards them for the uh, tremendous work that they're doing across the board. Paul, really unfair of us to save this question until the end, because we only have a couple of minutes left, but I need to get this in. There are some subtle indicators worldwide that EV demand 
is tailing off. And I ask this question to you as a CFO, how do you manage the risk of a massive investment cycle and a huge push wholesale just going into EV not working out? And in five to 10 years, consumers don't want this stuff. We see greater efficiencies through hybrids, maybe even fantastic sustainable fuels. Paul, as a CFO of a car company right now, how do you manage that risk? Well, John, I think that's a it's a great question, but it's one that, you know, when I look at the portfolio of vehicles that we have, really, really great internal combustion engine vehicles and a growing EV business off of a platform where we've designed EVs from the ground up. Uh, a lot of the EVs that are on the market are, you know, traditional ICE vehicles where, you know, companies have put a battery solution into it. Uh, and it's, uh, it's not optimized in that standpoint. When you look at the Altium platform of vehicles where we're growing production, very, very rapidly. Uh, now, we think we've got vehicles that customers demand, and you certainly see that in our order books across the board. So one of the things that you haven't seen from us is the type of pricing volatility that many of our competitors are experiencing uh, with some of those uh, vehicles that, uh, that were early to market. We think yeah. our vehicles, uh, when you look at the Silverado EV, 40% more range than anything else that's out there across the board. We think we can win customers over over the long term, but we've also got a very good ICE portfolio. Uh, to fall back on, uh, and it's driving incredible performance for us. I said it was unfair. It was unfair because we need a much longer conversation about this in the future. Paul, appreciate your time, sir. The General Motors CFO. Let's talk this morning. Doing okay. From New York City this morning, good morning. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.